Hello, how the tech are you? This time I'm going to start with David. How the tech are you? Just like last week, tech and great. <laughs> <laughs> same, same with HK? <laughs> okay. I am, I am also tech and great. I'm excited oh. for today's stories. All right. Um, I'm kind of excited. I got some good stuff this week. So anyways, for everybody listening, this is our weekly tech uh, show on Echoplex Media. I was going to say tech news, but we're, we're not just news. It's really like any tech type stuff we feel like covering. I'm historian Matt. Uh, I generally do news stories, anything tech related. I do have some science related stuff and techie law kind of stuff uh, this time for today. Uh, but actually, my summary uh, of what I'm going to cover is, first, uh, first up is say hi to Sagittarius A-star, then Texas judges don't understand YouTube, and finally, websites are stealing more of your data than you think. It's a nice uh, clickbaity final title. So, uh, with the, the pink mic we've already mentioned. All right. I am HK Perrin, and... Uh I tend to cover software development news, and I have some real big news for particularly software developers that a whole lot of other people have been interested in and have been sharing some not quite accurate information. But uh, NVIDIA released their Linux kernel module as open source. So one thing to note is this is not the same thing as releasing their entire proprietary GPU driver as open source. That's not what they did. So I'll talk more about that in my segment and let's head over to Dave. So yeah, uh, I've got three stories this week. One, uh, there was, there's a Linux powered Mars helicopter. I have Rover here on, on my, my thing, but it's a helicopter that is uh, friends with the Rover, we'll say. And it had a little bit of trouble. It, uh, they believe the solar panels got dusty or something, and it wasn't creating any electricity. Well, it's back. It was able to talk to the rover again. So maybe I don't know. The wind blew it off, or it you know gathered enough sunlight or whatever. That's the first story. I also got a uh, daily builds for Ubuntu twenty two dot ten just dropped. So if you'd like an unstable Ubuntu, go along with your very stable LTS. That's what you got. And. Uh, Fedora 36 dropped recently, and the reviews for it are real good, and I'm just going to go over a few things that are in Fedora for people who maybe want a good GNOME-based, a good GNOME workstation and don't want to run Ubuntu. All right. guess I'll get started with uh, my topics, but first we have the image up. We will in a sec. Okay. Well, I'll get started. So... Uh, the image that you'll eventually see, and you can look it up, is Sagittarius A-star. Yay! That's actually the uh, black, the super black, super massive black hole at the center of our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy. And we just got a really good image of it. We directly imaged it using uh, radio telescopes located around the world. We this is the second time we have imaged, directly imaged a black hole. This is the first time for Sagittarius A-star. The previous one was uh, Messier 87, I think, star, <laughs> M87 star, um, which is a black hole in a nearby galaxy. It's the center of a, another nearby galaxy. 
the reason we did that one first is it is much, much bigger. It's about a thousand times bigger. Uh, not though it's much further away. It actually is a little bit bigger in the amount of the sky it takes up is <laughs> basically. <laughs> so we can see it a little better, but then people have been trying to take a picture of Sagittarius a star for quite a while and we've finally done it. So, um, Sagittarius a star is, only 27,000 light years away. So, you know, right in our backyard, right? Pretty close. <laughs> and, uh, uh, 4 million solar masses, which is for a supermassive black hole. That's not that big, but is, you know, a lot bigger than our star <laughs> solar mass is the size of the sun, basically the mass of the sun. And to get a picture of it, we needed to use a telescope, basically the size of the earth. But of course we couldn't do that. Cause you know, we've got other stuff we got to do with the earth, you know, like living and stuff and planning things. So what they did is they cheated and used a bunch of different telescopes scattered around the world or, you know, around the disc for those flat earthers, uh, listening, <laughs> which I'm sure there's plenty of them. Uh, and then of course they had to synchronize their, uh, images which they used, you know, pocket watches to do that, right? And by pocket watch, I mean an atomic clock accurate down to the femtosecond. So, no big deal there, right? Probably doesn't fit in your pocket, though. Probably not. Yeah, unless you have, like, really big pockets. <laughs> so, it wasn't, might, like, it wasn't it. swatches, right? It wasn't swatches, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, uh, the, uh, it's very long baseline interferometry. interferometry tree these big words are hard to say i don't know what's going on with that in my mouth uh that is the i think that's the the program they used to to align all these different telescopes and they actually generated like petabytes of data that they had to go through and, and combine to to make the image and a petabyte is a million gigabytes for those wondering and what they had to do was take like basically they were taking almost a video of it they they made took thousands and thousands of images and averaged them together to produce produce the final image that we see which is why it's kind of blurry because it's an, an average of images but it's kind of the best we can do uh with what we got Possibly in the future, we may see an actual video of it, but that hasn't been released yet. But they did take images over, you know, hours, multiple days, and should be able to to produce an image where you actually see like stuff changing a bit. Uh, some of the hot spots getting cooler and and dark spots getting brighter. That sort of thing. I mean, I'm I'm sure eventually the technology will get better. Yeah. Uh, one thing you mentioned is the reason we. Uh, we photoed the other black hole first is because it's much bigger than the black hole at the, yeah. at the center of our galaxy. Uh, another reason that we did that is when we look at that black hole, we just look straight at it. But when we look at the black hole in the center of our galaxy, we have to look through all the gas and stars that are in our galaxy. Yeah. That's a good point. I don't know if there's any stars blocking the way or if they had to wait for stars blocking the way. Um, there might be stars like transiting over it, but I'm sure they yeah. don't. Really. Trying to get uh, this if you look around, you can difference. actually see an image of stars orbiting the black hole uh, very quickly. 
Honey, I can't get so, this picture of the black hole. There keeps being stars in the way. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to get this picture. I'm trying to get this picture <laughs> yeah. for you. All right. And uh, for for size reference, I think that that image, like all of the you know, main part of the you know bright part, <laughs> I guess you could say, fits like inside the uh, orbit of Mercury. I think is that about that size. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so and you compare actually, that to the bigger one, the Messier 87 star, that one, that same part of it, the glowy kind of orangey part, uh, that same part of that one could fit our entire solar system. Yeah. Like out to yeah. Pluto. <laughs> guess Pluto is part of our solar system, even though it's not a planet anymore. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a, a dwarf planet. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so that's all I got for that. Any other questions on Sagittarius nope. A star? Uh, okay, moving cool. on. We got uh, so Texas judges don't understand YouTube. So this is sort of a the law kind of and tech colliding in in horrible ways. I was going to say funny, but it's really not that funny. <laughs> but a uh, 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 court in Texas basically screwed over some internet law and because they think uh, YouTube isn't a website, but instead sort of an ISP, but they don't seem to know what ISP means. So <laughs> don't quite get it. It's the fifth circuit court of appeals decided in favor of Texas attorney general Ken Paxton in a lawsuit over HB 20, which is a bizarre law effectively banning many apps and websites from moderating, moderating posts by Texas residents. So <laughs> this has a lot to do with basically conservatives complaining about them getting banned or a shadow banned is the other one fun one that they like to talk about uh, for what they think is their ideas, right? Uh, just their opinions about um, uh, politics and stuff like that. I don't know how that, how true that is. They also tend to be, they tend to have other reasons to be banned at the same time. So it's, it's really hard, but uh, Texas has decided to, to make this law to keep that from happening. Keep uh, people with, they're obviously targeting people with uh, conservative ideas getting banned from these sites. But um, so HB 20 is the, the law and it bans social media platforms from removing, downranking, demonetizing, or otherwise discriminating against content based on the viewpoint of the user or another person. Uh, it applies to any internet website or application that hits 50 million monthly active users and enables users to communicate with others. So there's supposed to be bigger websites and, and applications stuff that, so a small mom and pop, uh, I don't know, social media website shouldn't, <laughs> shouldn't be a problem. I don't know if there's that many around. <laughs> Uh, and apparently there's uh, exceptions, loopholes brought out for ISPs and media sites. So media sites, basically news sites, because they don't want their own like news to be uh, blocked or something like that. Uh, a part of this law, because the obvious solution to this is just these big social networks just blocking anybody based in Texas. The law includes a provision saying you can't ban them based on their location in Texas. So 
uh, that's well, not going to work. I don't know how enforceable that is, but um, yeah, if you just remove your service from Texas, like then how, in Texas, can how are they going to, how are they going to go after you? You're not operating in Texas. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, this is a but, federal court. The fifth circuit is a well, federal but it's a court. state law. I think it's a state law. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. So I'm not entirely sure how that would work. Uh, what else? So there was an argument that social media companies should be treated as common carriers because of their market power. Of course, they're not common carriers in any way, shape or form. And, um, they, uh, but this idea is that they would be required to treat all content neutrally in a way that phone companies do, which is kind of ironic because actual ISPs that carry the internet do not have the same provisions because net neutrality was blocked by Republicans in the Senate and house. Uh, and actually by, I think ultimately it was the, uh, uh, I don't remember. I don't remember what agency blocked it <laughs> during, uh, I think it was Trump's administration. It was Ajit Pai. Yeah. Uh, the FCC FCC. That was right. Yeah. And he was, uh, head of the FCC. He, he, he didn't block rules. He just ended rules for net neutrality on ISPs. So they don't actual ISPs, which these judges don't seem to understand what they are. <laughs> they are allowed to uh, block content for pretty much any reason because of those rule changes. Apparently nope, one of the judges, it's the old, I can do it to you, but you can't do it to me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, let's see. Uh, Oh, so one of the judges, um, I think it was Edith Jones, said that it's it's talking about, I think YouTube, um, said it's not a website. Your clients are internet providers. They're not websites, <laughs> which is completely untrue, <laughs> fact, you know, factually false. And yeah, that was I'm, just really weird. But uh, I'm pretty they, positive no I, one's ever bought internet from YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. You don't buy internet from YouTube. Maybe from the parent company, but not YouTube. And yeah. um, this, I think this, I don't have it written down, but I think the same judge said, had a weird definition of ISP. It was like, um, not internet service provider, but like uh, interactive service provider, I think is what they, <laughs> they thought it was, which would cover websites or something uh, it's really weird some people so hopefully we'll, we'll see what happens i'm sure it's going to be appealed again taken to another court it's it's just crazy yeah this Any is other stupid questions or comments this is stupid i, I yes so <clears throat> i mean first of all why do they want a different rules for the internet in texas i don't understand like, what do they mean you can't block a Texan? Like, <laughs> like, how do you even enforce that? Like, I don't know. But again, I think it's because, the, you know, so many conservatives are being kicked off of social media platforms <laughs> for reasons. And it's not because of their ideas. Unless their ideas <laughs> yeah, are Because they're promoting violence? Violent. Yeah. <laughs> this is just like... Or Texas just like, is very pro-violence. Well, Texas has been advertising <laughs> itself like is this pro-business place that all of these tech companies should go to. And it's just very yeah. odd now that you juxtapose that, like that claim that they were making for a while with this law. This is a very 
it's very anti-business. It's almost like you're basically telling somebody who runs a data center that they can no longer use that data center as they see fit to operate yeah. their business. That seems yeah, like it would be like if someone were running like uh, I don't know drug operations on your servers in your data center, and you were like, "Hey, stop!" <laughs> and they were like, "No, we're just going to tell Governor Abbott that you're trying to get us to stop because of our beliefs." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then it gets into like, do botnets have a viewpoint? Like, I just start to wonder, like. This is this is That's a giant a whole mess. other issue. <laughs> uh, but maybe uh, Silk Road will move over to Texas servers or yeah. something. <laughs> see what happens there. Uh, let's see. My final uh, thing uh, section I want to talk about is websites are stealing more of your data than you think. Again, nice clickbaity uh, title. Maybe some of you are aware of this. I wasn't aware of this specific issue. So I'm not surprised, but basically some new research came out that after scanning the top 100,000 websites, a certain number of them seem to collect not just everything that you submit in forms, but everything you type in before you even submit forms. So as soon as you start typing, in some cases, other cases, it's like right before, like when you leave the uh the field and go on to the next field that they, they collect that sometimes it's like purely like key logging type stuff i would say yeah. it's scary but i'm not that surprised actually but um <laughs> uh, so like in there's there's definitely a use case for this you know if a user goes in and uh like puts in their email address or something because they're going to sign up for your system and then decides not to, you as a shitty business can just email them anyway. Yep. Be like, hey, I saw you typed in your email address into my website. You sure you don't want to come <laughs> over and buy some of these drugs? <laughs> <laughs> We're in Texas. It's legal for you to buy drugs here. We can't be banned for it. <laughs> Wait, but isn't uh, there isn't there a good use case for this too? Like if people like if if you wanted to figure out why people aren't filling out forms and you could find out maybe they get frustrated at a certain part of your form or whatever, and you could use that to make your forms better. So like like there has to be like there's must be well, a good use for like what you're describing where you type where you fill in a, a part of a form but never hit submit. Like there's there's an ethical use for that too, and that's probably maybe what people had intended and pe folks are misusing it. It sounds pretty dubious because, like, they—I don't know if they need the actual data. They just need to know when you stopped or something, like what field you stopped on, not necessarily what you're entering, right? Um, maybe yeah. I don't know. I've, uh, I've tried to fill out a. It keeps telling me that a certain part of a form is wrong, and like, if you were making a website yeah. and then you look, if you keep finding out that people can't fill it out, maybe you would want to know what I tried to type into there because you'd be like, well, maybe. why is that? Why is what rule have I set that makes it so this person can't answer this question this way? You know, there's an ethical, there's an ethical reason for that. I'm just, I just doubt that's not how it's generally used. No, I would say if the user didn't consent to that, I would consider it unethical. Yeah. Uh, you know, for the same reason as like, you know, when you, when you download an app and it's got a checkbox that says like, allow us to connect, to collect anonymous usage data. Like if they leave that checked, sure. That's 
totally fine. So like as a website, if you opened up a little checkbox that says allow us to collect anonymous usage data and the user hit okay, then that's fine. But if the user didn't consent to that, to me, that seems unethical. Yeah. The, these researchers, which apparently are from, uh, KU Leuven. I don't know. Some of the names are, are kind of weird. A rad mode university and university of Lausanne. <laughs> I don't know any of those at all. Hmm. Um, but they're apparently real universities. I think they're all based in Europe. So they're, they're not places that I know or can pronounce properly. Um, they seem to think that they're grabbing emails particularly on websites. So they, they have about 1800, 1,844 websites gathered EU users, email addresses without their consent and 2,950 U S users, emails of some form, uh, in some forms, uh, that are being collected and they think they're being, being used to basically collect the emails, not to just like respond to them and say, Hey, why you, you didn't finish filling out your, your form, but to basically sell the emails to spammers or something like that. Mm. Uh, a lot of them seem to be involved with third party marketing and analytics services. So, you know, there's little, like the little scripts that websites add from other, from third parties to, to show ads or, do all sorts of other things. Some of them seem to be grabbing the the data, not the website itself, which is very creepy. Um, yeah. Um, the website's content security policy should prevent that. Right. Like, an ad shouldn't be able to run JavaScript on your website. Yeah. You ever been uh, to a conspiracy theory website, HK? <laughs> <laughs> There's just all kinds of stuff running that doesn't need to be running on conspiracy theory websites. <laughs> I mean, it's like this that like if that's true that it's really the ad collecting the data instead of the the actual website, like it's still the fault of the website because the website's yes. not configured correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently uh there's 52 different websites that are um or it's just, I think it's third parties, 52 different third parties, including uh, the Russian tech giant Yandex that were collecting these uh, uh, passwords, or not passwords, Whoa. form data. Sometimes they were actually kept collecting passwords, but it's apparently the, uh, the hash password, not the actual password uh, in, some, in some instances. And uh, they seem to be accidental, but... From the actual website, not not the third parties, I think. Um, so a number of these issues have been res- resolved. And if you're really worried about it, there is a Firefox extension called Link Leak Inspector, Leak Inspector, uh, that will detect these rogue d- collections on different websites. So you can see what's being collected. I don't know if you can actually block it, of course script block should should help block it but you have to have that on and blocking the right stuff before uh you go to the website also brave has some of that stuff built in the brave browser yeah but for normal users as people may watch the other shows sometimes we do have problems with a brave browser and like web players sometimes usually uh 
local news websites or whatever for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. This is just a lot more reason to use a password manager. That's exactly what I was going to say. If you're not already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean well, it doesn't really that that's a good reason to use certain uh email providers that that give you really good spam protection. Hint hint. That Oh and- yeah. Uh I'm making one of those. <laughs> yeah. I'll talk about it once it's once it's like open publicly. Well, like once it's in beta at least, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all I have. What's up next? HK? Yeah. All right. So, uh I'm sure a lot of the people listening to the show right now have heard that Nvidia released their driver for Linux. But that's not entirely the whole story. Uh, NVIDIA's graphics driver in particular consists of basically four different parts. It consists of firmware to interact with the, the actual hardware. Uh, it consists of an OS independent portion of a kernel driver, uh, which the same code basically runs on on Windows and Linux and any other operating system that have like Unix operating systems. Uh, and then a, a kernel dependent version of the, uh, or a kernel dependent part of the kernel driver. Uh, that's, that would be in this case specific to the Linux kernel. And then there's user, uh, user mode, uh, or user land utilities, things like, uh, like their CUDA utilities uh, and their like their implementation of Vulkan. Uh, so all of these things make up their entire graphics driver. And that's normally you'd be downloading all of them when you download the NVIDIA, the proprietary NVIDIA driver. Uh, and they didn't release all of those. They only released the... Uh, the OS independent and the OS dependent parts of their kernel driver. So basically, or their kernel module. So basically they released the entirety of their kernel module. Uh, Now, again, it's still not the same as the proprietary one. Uh, Even like, even, you know, if you take those two parts out of the proprietary one, it's still not the same. Uh, These are specific uh these are like specifically open source versions of them that aren't the same uh but that does mean a lot of really good things for linux and specifically for navo the open source uh nvidia driver uh that driver was it originally started as a reverse engineered project. So basically uh, a bunch of software engineers decided we want an open source NVIDIA driver. So we're going to figure out what the NVIDIA driver is doing to talk to the hardware. And we're going to re-implement that so that we can talk to the hardware the same way, but be part of the Linux kernel. Uh, And they did that and it worked really well for a long time. And then NVIDIA started signing the firmware, uh, like cryptographically signing the firmware and requiring that the firmware be signed in order to do certain things 
for uh in the the hardware things like uh changing the clock speed of your driver which is very important it's something that you know if you're if you're graphics driver can't change the clock speed of your driver basically your graphics driver can't actually use your your hardware uh like your your video card just kind of sits at its base clock like its lowest clock which is not very helpful if you're trying to run a video game uh, so what this means not yet, but in the future, Navo probably will be able to control a lot more of the NVIDIA hardware in a, in a graphics card. Uh, they'll probably be able to boost the clock speed. Uh, they'll probably be able to use some of the uh, more advanced features, things like NVENC, which uh, I don't believe Navo can use NVENC in the, the newer uh, the newer cards. I could be wrong though. Uh, and it means that probably eventually years down the road, we'll be able to get a Mesa driver for NVIDIA hardware. Uh, Mesa is a, a 3d accelerate 3d and 2d graphics acceleration library for Linux. So what it does is Mesa handles all of the calls from applications and it, turns it into what the hardware can understand. And it uses all these different drivers. Uh, and the one that it uses for NVIDIA cards is Navo. So you can run Mesa on NVIDIA video cards right now with just the Linux kernel. But all those caveats that I explained earlier apply. So you, you're not getting the best performance out of your hardware. Uh, and with this first step, Hopefully, it's a good sign that NVIDIA will continue to work with the Niveau team. NVIDIA actually has been working with the Niveau team. The firmware that the Niveau team uses comes from NVIDIA. It's just not signed, doesn't have that same capability of, uh, of unlocking all of the potential of a graphics card. Uh, but hopefully, this means that NVIDIA will continue to work with... Uh, with the Navo developers, uh, with the Linux team, and try and get these these drivers into the kernel, and try and get them to work with all of the uh, all the existing code that's in there, uh, and get them to work with things like Mesa, because that would make application development a lot easier. Yeah. So does this mean like I in installed? Uh Ubuntu on a laptop recently and had a lot of trouble. It turned out it was the, the drivers for the video card, which is NVIDIA. Yeah. Oh, uh, that, as of right now, out? there's, there's essentially going to be no change. Uh, oh. These drivers aren't ready for your use case. Uh, yeah. They have, they have a graphics stack. Uh, like there are parts to, to implement displays on their graphics yeah. cards, but they're not finished yet. They're like, According to NVIDIA, they call them alpha quality, uh, which means they're very early in, uh, in production and they're, they're not suitable to run as, a, as your everyday driver. Yeah. Uh, it was really kind of the install process for Ubuntu that was a problem because they wouldn't, they wouldn't use the proprietary drivers and, unless you like manually switched it over 
but it would lock up if it was running for too long on the the open source one. So you had to, mm. you know, find the place to to change it over before the screen locked. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing that the the open source drivers currently can't do is they can't uh, they can't handle the the power of the card. Like the card kind of uh, oh. like it'll handle its power, power like... state incorrectly. Uh, I believe I could have that wrong, Uh, but also with the proprietary drivers, uh, power management is a mess. So, you know, it's NVIDIA for a while has had just uh, like really awful experience on Linux. Like it's, it's been an awful experience using NVIDIA drivers on Linux. Uh, So hopefully this is a really good first step for NVIDIA to, work with the the teams uh that that work on the linux kernel uh you know the core kernel team and people like red hat who i believe red hat maintains Navo. uh i hope i'm i'm right on that but i believe red hat's developers maintain Navo. uh and you know it could be that in a few years time the situation will be just as good for NVIDIA cards on Linux as it is for AMD cards on Linux right now. Yeah. I, <clears throat> this is like actually really important because I like, if people are going to switch to Linux, I just cannot recommend that they do it. Honestly, if they're gaming on NVIDIA hardware, because <clears throat> sure the open source driver exists, but it's, it has the problems you mentioned plus other problems uh, like Matt's having it lock up on his system might just be, he has a new enough, maybe new enough GPU, um, m- mobile GPU that it, to, that, go ahead. To be clear, it was the open source drivers I was locking up. Yes. The proprietary one seems to work fine and I can yeah, play Minecraft on Linux, no problem. Likely neither of those are this driver that we're talking about because yeah. this only came out a few days ago and it's not part of the Linux kernel yet. It's not, uh, it hasn't been merged into the kernel and it probably won't be merged into the kernel for a long time. So, so to finish what I was saying, um, it's, this is important because when, when somebody new gets to Linux <clears throat> and they have an NVIDIA card, they're going to experience what Matt experienced with the open source driver. Maybe if, if you're, if their cards really new, the open source driver isn't ready for it or, um, it just is too slow to game on. And then, you know, the, maybe Ubuntu has something that's supposed to help you install the, uh, proprietary driver, but then it, sometimes it recommends one, like the wrong one. It'll recommend one that isn't the right one. And then they'll, they won't even be able to boot their system at all. And then they'll like blame Linux on that. Right. They'll be like, well, this sucks. And, yeah. and telling them, telling them to go into the terminal when they've just first tried Ubuntu is not a good way to sell somebody on Linux, right? Like the yep. once they get comfortable with all the GUI tools and stuff, they're going to end up in the terminal. But that's just a bad sell for Linux more broadly. And since so many people have NVIDIA NVIDIA graphics drivers, this is a huge deal. Even if it just marginally improves Nouveau at first, and then over time, you know, things get better with Nouveau, or maybe something else comes along even to replace the Nouveau project because there's now now the, the the kernel module is is different and so maybe you know somebody else will start a new project or maybe nvidia will just keep going and open source more of their stuff and it, it'll be you know maybe more like having an amd card and so yeah this is huge just not right now 
but soon it'll just be better for a new user and that's like super important also not for nothing it's this is useful in the data center um oh yeah yeah for sure it's uh if you're using it if you're using one of their data center uh one of their data center gpus this uh this driver is in uh stable quality right now yeah like a what are they the the um not the quadro i forget what they are now they uh those ones are workstation yeah yeah i forget i forget what they're called now the the data center ones i think they're called titan are they titan right i forget i could be wrong i sold a whole bunch i sold a whole bunch of them last year and made a whole (laughs) bunch of money i know that but i forget the i forget i forget what they're called well that's that's good news if you're on a geforce gpu this isn't going to help you for a while, but eventually, you know, this is a good start to eventually help you a lot. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. That's good news. More open source is better. And, um, like I said, if it, even if it just makes it so people's system is stable enough that even they could just use it for a couple days until I can go in and install the right driver on their system for them or whatever, when I'm trying to switch them over, that's, Good, that's good enough because yeah like matt's a experienced computer user and he was just having his video lock up like yeah, right out I, of the box with ubuntu and that's bad yeah i wasn't wasn't sure i was going to be able to install it luckily i was i had another computer that i could look stuff up online about it and enough other people had the same problem that i was able to figure it out but I, yeah. yeah anybody else somebody who's not as, as technical as I am or just doesn't have, have another computer <laughs> doesn't have another yeah. computer uh, that's one of the nice things about pop OS how uh, and I think more distros should do this pop OS has two versions of their installer that you can download it's got one version that is just a normal installer just like everyone else has and it's got one another version that specifically has the proprietary NVIDIA drivers pre-installed nice oh good that's a three cheers for pop the more i hear about that os the better i also can't wait till their desktop environment that they're making from scratch comes out because i understand they're building it in rust and a lot of people are just very excited about it so (laughs) anyway i guess it's my turn Uh, i only have three stories it'll probably be fairly quick here um linux is the number one operating system in space (laughs) (laughs) and uh, it's the number one operating system on mars and uh it's the only helicopter operating system on mars and it was unfortunate when i heard the news last week that the helicopter the it's uh, basically a a part of the mars rover they have a helicopter it's basically a drone um that it seemed to not be able to communicate and everybody assumed it was power you know the solar panels either got dirty or wore out well it's back online and it's back in touch with the rover and it took a couple pictures just yesterday I didn't bring up the pictures, but um, if you're interested in that, definitely look up the Mars rover. It's super cool. There's so there's a lot of Linux going on there, and there's an interview that was done on um, was it Linux Unplugged on the Jupiter Broadcasting Network when they had one of the main engineers from that project on, and I just can't recommend that enough. Good interview, solid, and just three cheers for that helicopter coming back to life. It's not very often that a piece of electronic equipment on another planet fails and then just wakes back up. But yeah. <laughs> I think, again, so are I think you it, saying, hold on. Are you saying that uh, Linux is so great it's out of this world? 
that that's exactly what I was trying not to say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, also the. Uh, Real quick, daily builds for the next version of Ubuntu drop. That'll be 22.10. It will not be a long-term support release. And uh, if you're interested in testing that out and helping out, you should definitely just go download it. Um, it's going to be unstable. You shouldn't install it on anything that you rely on for daily computing. But there's going to be some cool stuff in there. And last, Fedora 36 came out, and the reviews have been really good. If I didn't need... Um, everyone and their mother to be able to use the computers here i would consider switching over but uh this is just a great release it's for people who want a gnome-based workstation and don't want to use ubuntu um ubuntu's reliance on snaps is a big reason some people don't want to use ubuntu but it's the feature set's actually pretty close to ubuntu 22.4 the package package current packages are the kernel 517 uh mesa 22 which uh hk was talking about a little bit ago it's a uh, real good for open source graphic drivers, AMD and Intel. Uh, the 22, I don't have it on my system, and I hear the release 22.0 is quite good, so I'm looking forward to that. And if you are using the proprietary proprietary NVIDIA driver, uh, Wayland's the default gra graphics server. Plus, it has Pipewire right out of the box, so that's pretty interesting. <laughs> I'm excited to get going on Pipewire myself one of these days, but I don't know. I'm too lazy to figure out how to install it on Ubuntu. <laughs> so if you're a you, if you're a developer or a power user and you just want to try something new, haven't tried Fedora or haven't been over to that, that camp in a while, it's a, probably a great thing to try out. And I think I'm actually going to go ahead and uh, install it on my carry around laptop and check it out because uh, I don't think I've been, I don't think I've used a non Debian based Ubuntu in like 10 years. So I should probably be uh, seeing what things are like over there. Have you used Fedora recently, either of you? Nope. Um, I actually, a couple years ago, I switched to Manjaro. Uh, so I haven't really used a Debian based OS in a few years other than on servers. Um, all my servers still run Ubuntu. Uh, but yeah, uh, I kind of fell in love with Manjaro, but I'd certainly like to give Fedora 36 a try. Yeah. I mean, all the reviews are, are real good. There's like people, there's there's a couple podcasts I listen to where the people are just like in love with Ubuntu Mate and they're even, even them have been giving rave reviews to Fedora 36. <laughs> it's not often that a distro comes out and gets this kind of positive reviews. It's just not, you know, it's, I think the last time I heard uh, like everybody get going this, this positive about a distro was, um, I think it was Ubuntu 1804 when they, uh, switched back to gnome from unity everybody thought it was really solid and really good <laughs> that was the last time so yeah that's that's my whole segment i was quick this week wow all right except for me going over time <laughs> well i was quick this week but yeah we went over that's fine there is no there is no over time on this show <laughs> we're still figuring it out yeah so everybody i guess thank, I'll, I'll read us out everybody thanks for listening yeah. this has been how the tech are you uh, it's a production of Echoplex Media. If you would like to be frightened, amused, or annoyed, you can search for our other podcasts on your podcast apps of choice. And if you get value out of this, give us some money on Patreon, patreon.com slash Echoplex. And uh, you can also check out our swag shop, echoplexmedia.com slash swag. And I just now committed myself to making swag for this particular show, I suppose. <laughs> yep. Uh, and remember to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, 
And we have a soundboard clip for that. Like and subscribe. subscribe. Don't forget to follow us on social media for beautiful food and inspiration. <laughs> hey, I don't, soundboard's off. <laughs> oh, darn. <laughs> I'll try to remember to turn it on next week. I just don't, I just don't think like, <laughs> anyway, we have a whole soundboard too. check out our website, everybody.